We're back. It's the TX Water Polo Podcast. Um, it's the it's December. I can't believe it. I'm James in Austin. That's Joe in San Antonio. Joe, we're gonna like we should do the show from uh, your pool on Sunday. We'll do some recordings. We're gonna have all kinds of free time. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course, right? Uh, to be fun day. stuff on Sunday. Game day. We'll so, get into that in a bit. That's gonna be very fun. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a blast. So. Uh, let's, uh, let's get right into it, Joe, because, uh, first of all, we're going to try to get an interview with Mark Lawrence. In fact, I even said, uh, just a couple of moments ago to Joe, like if, uh, if coach Mark texts me during the course of recording, I'm going to tell you, and, uh, we should have a recording or hope to have an interview with him by the end of the week. He'll cover what, uh, Austin college went out and accomplished in Stan- at Stanford. And then, uh, we're going to put him on the spot to predict championships, um, NCAA champions this weekend, which is, uh, we'll go into that in just a second. But first Austin college, they wanted to come away from MPSF championships with two wins over Penn state Baron. They did that really quite easily. Um, well, I would it, say that they probably wanted to go and get a win against Stanford as well. So yeah, they but, want to. You know. I think they're being realistic. You know, the, by the way, the final score against Stanford, twenty-four to five. That's a score. That's a totally respectable score. You're talking a top four team. Um, so they, I know for a fact, just even based on social media, they were actually really pleased with the weekend overall, and we'll confirm that with Mark uh, when we get the chance. But no, but it's great that, I mean, just kind of look at the scores against Penn State Baron for the seniors, you know, whenever this group were freshmen, they were losing to Penn State Baron. That's right, yeah. And, you know, I'm and I'm sure those games were a little frustrating back in the day. But, uh, you know, I am sure that Coach Lawrence was was uh, very happy. I think the scores were, what, 20-7 to 7 in, in 1980 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Opening so, round. And then that's – and then, yeah, just congrats for a good, successful, nice, long season. Just a couple they of years ago, that for a couple of years. No, they haven't. And just a couple of years ago, you know, they were. I think they lost to Penn State Baron one game, and then won the next one. And the years prior to that, they lost them both. And so, yeah, a pretty severe turnaround for them. They, uh, it's, it's, it is Joe. It's four years into the program. It's very exciting to see both where the men and women are going. I, I, it's really fun to observe. And maybe in a couple of years they get to play in the in this weekend's upcoming Division Three championship, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. And I'm looking forward to the girls playing in the Division Three championship this upcoming spring. Hey, that's that is so on my agenda. Absolutely, I can't wait to talk about that. We're going to hold off on that, but that is a distinct possibility that Austin College heads off to Division Three championships. Um, as uh, Joe mentioned, it is the weekend of NCAA championships. The brackets have been set uh, set. The regional or the uh, the conference championships were a week ago, the weekend, and um, so they've already had a play-in game. They already had uh, Fordham, um, who I have a connection with just because um, one of my assistants played at Fordham, fell to the mighty Princeton Tigers in the East, essentially like an East Coast championship in order to to earn the opportunity to play against UCLA in the first round. But the tournament is really j- literally underway already. Yeah, like so, the quarterfinals are going to be what this uh, tomorrow, yeah, and that'll second. be exciting. That's that's the Princeton versus UCLA, and also it's going to be Long Beach State versus UC Davis, and then that'll the winners will play on Saturday against Cal and uh, in uh, USC, and then the championships on Sunday. So I think UCLA could still win it all. I mean, they're the at large, so to speak, but that that you know the the MPSF championships are just so, so rough. It's like you just well, never the top three teams are always are always close. You yeah, know? Really. like you know, 
I think if you go back and look at the MPSF champion and the NCAA championship, they don't really match that often. So. Right, exactly. They peak differently. It's it's exactly right. There are these there are these quote upsets in MPSF championships, and then it sort of writes itself in a lot of ways during the championship game itself. So, um, uh, all of that is available on NCAA.com forward slash live schedule. We're gonna put this on the website. That it's a it's a much more involved URL than the one that I just gave, but the streaming on Saturday and Sunday are available via that link. We're still looking into there's um, there's like we said there's games on the second, which is tomorrow, and I don't know exactly where there's those are being streaming, but we're guessing from UCLA's uh, their their sports website. And tomorrow, oh, we mean Thursday, December second. So go to UCLA's website or UC Davis's website. They're the hosts, so they'll be able to kind of point you in the right direction. Speaking of Davis, Davis, um, you got to give a bit of a shout out here, right? We uh, interviewed three athletes from Texas who played for Cal. I have to get this right again. California Baptist. You know, I was watching the the, the um, broadcast, the WWPA broadcast uh, online, and the announcer kept calling it Cal Baptist. I'm like, yes, that's the way it should be. I know that the branding people, the marketing people at the university want you to avoid that, but that sounds right. Cal Baptist. So... Cal Baptist beat my beloved Mighty Tritons in the semifinals. I think that's an upset. They were seated, uh, Cal Baptist seated third. <clears throat> I'm, I'm actually super happy for those guys. And then faced UC Davis, which is really becoming a very, very strong program throughout the entire the, uh, country, essentially. But uh, this, just this short of going to another NCAA championship for three Texans, that would have been a pretty special thing, but just this shy. Oh yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's great. There's a there's a ton of Texas kids out there playing. Um, they may not have been in a game to go to the NCAA uh, like like championships, but you know, it's one of those things where there, there's opportunities like kind of out there for all kids in Texas to go play somewhere. There's there there is some place for everybody to play. Um, you just got to find what's going to work for each I- I- individual, and there's all levels out there. So yeah, absolutely right. Um, and uh, including that, there is a Division three. NCAA championship this upcoming weekend as well. Yeah, speaking of uh, the Austin College, where we ex- fully expect them to be participating in this game in the next few years, um, you you can speak to this very well. USA Water Polo very wisely sponsored a Division Three championship for the first time in collegiate history. Um, that started a couple years ago, and then the pandemic, of course, shut that thing down. Um, so the conference, the, the the qualifiers are MIT, who will play the hosts Pomona Pitzer on Saturday, and then Johns Hopkins from uh, Baltimore against Claremont Mud Scripps, which I think plays second. Skyac, yeah, I think that's right. So yeah, so the basically teams. the like the four teams that are qualify are the first and second place teams from the CWP uh, Division Three East Coast Championships, and then also the top two teams in the Skyac Conference. Right, and then the host right now is the Skyac Conference champion. So, um, of which it's it is Pomona this weekend. So those games are on Saturday. Um, the semifinals are on are on Saturday. And then they have a third and first place game on Sunday. So, um, and if, and if you want to, yeah, kind of watch that, you can go to skyactnetwork.com. All right. Skyactnetwork.com and just find this, yeah, and just kind of find Pomona Pitzer or the sport and that'll kind of, then that'll have the links for you there. Yeah. Skyact so. with a C, not a K in case you wondered, by the way, yeah. I want to go back to WWPA for a second because I was wondering about this. Zach Lowry did earn first team all WWPA tournament 
honors at the end of that tournament. So he, and here's what's funny is like, we both know him. He's listed as a, you know, they both senior, junior and so on and so forth. He's listed as a graduate student, which is funny, but uh, cause he seems like he's still 12 years old to me. Okay. Well, there you go. But, uh, but no, but good, but yeah, but good luck to all those teams that are playing this weekend, the kids that are out there. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be some good water polo. And if you're and if you're not playing this upcoming weekend, um, and you have the ability to stream and watch some games, go ahead and stream it because, you know, there are a ton of games out there streaming this weekend. So it is really important to do that. Like you, it, it is difficult for coaches to often convey to athletes, you know, this is what I was going to say, this is what water polo should look like. Of course, these collegiate teams sometimes are not very good or make mistakes or whatever, but you can hopefully see what we're aspiring to as far as how to, how to play the game, you know? So when you go watch Long Beach state, you know, they're going to hopefully, uh, not hopefully, but uh, I think they're going to beat UC Davis. It's a very, very fundamentally solid team. That's also very creative. So it's fun to watch them. Like they know what they're doing. And so, yeah, do that. Take a moment to just go check what the best collegiate teams look like in the entire country. It doesn't take. And James and James will put all the links on the TX water polo website we'll do that when we uh throw this thing this podcast out there on the site but uh that's it go watch ncaa water polo it's a great weekend of fun and we'll come back and talk more local stuff just in a moment right about now you might be expecting some song and dance about a product you don't need well shush we don't advertise here and we want to keep it that way so we sure would appreciate your help Show your support by going to TXWaterPolo.com forward slash donate so we can keep covering the sport we love in the great state of Texas. This is Jesse Smith, recent Pan Am gold medalist. I was just checking out Texas Water Polo from the TX Water Polo podcast. Also, you can check out the website. You can follow me at GoSmith now. Thanks, guys. It's James and Joe back with you on the TX Water Polo podcast. Um, we're, like I said, we're going to meet this weekend, and it is because you your club is hosting a game day in San Antonio. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it's a- we have the South Texas Winter Game Day. It's going to be fun. You have I- Zillow, you have Aquatex, you have Longhorn, you have Aqua Swift, and Alma Area are all going to be playing this weekend. It's going to be fun. I noticed you branded it. It was the South Texas. What was it called before? It was like the. I just was calling it the Alma, like the Alma kind of area winter game day. So I branded it. I brought out the old, yeah, the old school kind of uh, like the little Texas little logo I use for the Central Texas. Oh yeah. That we do. And I just figured I'd brand it as as opposed to just putting the Alma area stuff up there. I did put the Alma area because we're hosting it yeah. at the bottom. But uh, I saw that. But no, it, no, it's gonna be fun. We have what we have seventeen. T- teams playing over and we're having 17 games on Sunday at the Amo Heights uh, Natatorium in San Antonio. It's a nice place. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And there's also a big kind of a, a like the Texas Premier League, right, is going to be happening this weekend. And that's uh, invite only. It's going to be it's going to be Thunder, Pegasus and Viper Pigeon are playing each other up in North Texas. Um, Do you know where? And, uh, I think it's at the West Side Aquatic Center. OK, that's where it should and, be. Um, but yeah, so there's so there's some water polo going on. Um, and then we have the Cowtown Stampede is happening here in a week and a half. I know, hard to believe. That'll be at, that'll be at Keller. That'll be Cowtown's hosting that tournament. Um, 
And then, you know, in between times, we have the USA Water Pool holiday camps that are happening. Yeah. See, I I know about this. I know about it decently, but I've never been. And you've been, what, 10,000 times or something like that? So No. um, No, I mean, I actually went to this as a kid. That's what I mean. Yeah. You know, and then I went back as a student coach. I went back as a staff coach. And I went back and I helped kind of run the thing back in the late 2000s. But like, um, and... You know, it's one of those true things that USA Water Polo has done well and improved along the like, uh, like, like, like all along the way. It's in Colorado Springs, right? It's at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, and um, the kids get there and they and they have to be nominated. They have to be nominated through their own clubs and c- coaches, and then they're selected to go. There's 110 boys, uh, like, and then uh, uh, 110 girls. There's a there's a limited amount of people for each. Um, for each f- from each zone um but it's it's it is made for eighth grade and in uh and younger like like kind of athletes and they will eat at the olympic training center they will stay at the uh, olympic trainer they will train at the olympic training center and it's not just i mean it is water pole pretty much from 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 start to finish but to also meet with you know with uh with other aspects at the olympic training center like like you know kind of lifting people they'll like you know dryland people they'll get to see other sports that are there they'll get to talk with other people that are that are resident athletes and it is just it is water pole for three days boom it's just from from back to yeah like yeah like from wake up to like to finish it is you wake up you have a morning session in the water you have an afternoon session in, in, in the water you might have a different session then you even have a like kind of a, a nightly note session as well where there's a lecture going on so they will they will keep the kids busy and it's also great because there's a ton of student coaches that are up there as well that are that, that that'll get to learn and i know a ton of of kind of texas coaches have done that as well mm-hmm. And, um, and it's just, it's, and they even have a referee component to this whole thing now. And then they, then they finished the And then they finished the camp the last day with the snowball classic or something like that, where they split the kids up into in teams and there's the, like the coaches do a draft and it's, and it's a ton of fun. So oh, I was literally just going to ask you about that. That's that, that seems a perfect way to end that is to, and I even thought that yeah, they I would mean, do a draft. Is, right. Yeah, and they like they will they will stay up the night the night before and do a draft and stuff like that. So I mean it's I mean and it's changed and uh, shout out to Stan Sprague and Dennis Fosdick who started this back in the mid eighties. Not with so, us anymore, but shout out regardless. Yes. Yeah, I mean I think Stan Sprague's still around, but mm, um, nope. And uh, uh, what is it? Um, it's one of those things where uh, you know, it's just has gotten better and better and better each and every year. So yeah, no, it was the. the on a very solid foundation. I knew about it back in the day. I just never went and never did anything with it. So it's exciting to know that you can send your kids here from uh, Texas up to, to something so prestigious and learn so much so quickly. Yeah. Great. And back whenever I was, I was running the camp back in the late two thousands, it was a hundred kids or a, a 110 kids, boys, girls together. Mm-hmm. So now they have two separate weekends a boys weekend, a girls weekend, yeah. which makes it even better because there's, there's more opportunities for, for coaches to get up. There's, there's a ton more, there's double the opportunities for, for athletes as well. Right. So. Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, your coaches are going to be involved in that process. So hopefully if you're interested, you can contact, uh, talk to them, uh, or to, or to us, whatever you want to do. Um, okay. Uh, I don't have any, Oh, I, I did notice one thing. Did you, did you, so Tesla, 
the automaker. You know, I know we need referees. Um, I was just going to say, you know, you can buy a whistle from Tesla that looks like their new super truck for 50 bucks. That's a real good way to get referees into the game is to buy a $50 whistle that looks like a Tesla truck. Have you seen that? That's an interesting tangent you want to go off on here, James. But that's uh, because of the end I of the show. I have, I, I, have not, I have not seen that, but we do have some stuff coming up in January too. What's that? We have the, OD, like the ODP Regional Championship that's happening in uh, Utah. We also have Dare to Dream, which we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks as well. 10 and but, 12. You know, and then I and then I think some clubs are doing their game days and stuff like this around. And I'm and I'm a big believer in game days. I know. Big believer in game days. Yeah. Um. You know. You because because it's especially as you grow your club or or kind of or kind of once you get to a big old club, you know, you need to provide opportunities to play. And it may not be like you may not have the coaches available or the athletes available to go to a specific tournament or like you know or your club isn't ready to send kids up to north texas or or down or down to houston or something like that so provide game days there's to me there's always been three levels of game days one is just a game day within your own club you split up teams you have fun it's easy it's coach raft um, but you always get out the like like you always get out the like the shot clocks and the scoreboard and make it look legit then the next level is you know, like is like you know, Club A will invite Club yeah Club B over and they have different games in the different age groups. It's, it's still coach ref or or you can get some like some local refs to come over. But then the game day that we all like that we're doing this upcoming Sunday is like the next level where you get uh, multiple clubs. You have different divisions. You schedule games. You have the USA Water Pool referees on the pool deck. Fully people sanctioned. People pay and people. It's yeah. It's yeah. It's fully sanctioned and it's like a mini tournament, right? It's just on one day. People come, they play their games. It's either back-to-back games or a game break game. And uh, and I, I mean, I'm just a big believer in doing as many game days as possible because kids, yeah, they like practice and they like the scrimmage at the end of practice. But mm-hmm. you know, parents want games. Yep. So do they. Games. So. So, but I'm a, I, I, I'm a big believer in game days and people that are listening to this, that I coached back in kind of Houston back in 2003 or 2004, they're like, they're probably shaking their hands and going, yep, he loves game days. Yeah, we know that. So, cause I've been doing game days forever and ever and I'm a, and I'm a big believer in making it happen. So, so you have absolutely right. We're going to probably do it ourselves in the, um, in the spring, we host a high school tournament. I think we'll do a game day for younger kids. It'll be fun. Um, yeah. Like, 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 uh, my local club, we even have a holiday game day coming up I noticed where this too. is, and this is, this is something that I've done everywhere I've been where it's just, um, we are, we are keeping it fun. Um, we will have different names like team moose and team snowman or team Rudolph or something like that. And the kids will come and we'll just have a fun day and like, there'll be snacks provided by the parents. It'll just be a fun day of water pool. But yeah, just before we have our last couple of practices and a, and a bit of a break during the holiday season. So yeah, that's it. And so speaking of a break, right? Like we, uh, you going anywhere for Christmas? No. Cause you have a new child. Is that why? Is that the, that's yes. the excuse I see. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, we're going to talk here in a moment with Mark Lawrence. Um, he actually did text me back by the way. So I have him, uh, on the calendar for tomorrow to talk to him. Um, uh, but you and I might be splitting our time. I'm, I think I'm going to Europe the week after Christmas. So we will be, you and I will be talking either right before Christmas or I will be talking to you from Europe one way or the other, but we'll figure that out. I, I really like our year end shows prior to new year. So, um, that I, I'm, we'll make that happen one way or the other okay yeah okay good promise 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 you're available okay 
that's it for us. Uh, here comes Mark Lawrence. This is Tony Azevedo, five-time Olympian. Uh, you're listening to the TX Waterpolo Podcast. It's Mark Lawrence, head coach of the Austin College Kangaroos. The men's team just came back. Well, not just, but uh, had a very good weekend out at Stanford in the last week at the MPSF Championships. It's still strange to say that, Mark, that you're in the MPSF, but there you go. So here he is, Mark Lawrence. How are you, Mark? Good. How's it going, James? Good. Let's get right into it. We have a short period of time. Mark is a very busy man. He's got stuff to do. He's a mover and shaker. Um, Give us the, you know, one minute overview of the trip to Stanford. How did it all go? We know the scores, but I'm just curious about how you felt about the entire trip. Uh, We thought the overall trip was really good. Um, You know, we were looking forward to all three games that we had, uh, especially the second game against Stanford. And, um, you know, we get to play our, our rivals twice, Penn State Barron. And uh, over the course of the history of our program, in the short history, we've had a really good competitive uh, rivalry with them. This year, they're a little bit down because they're young, but they have a couple of really great freshmen uh, who, who play for Grant and who I know from ODP. So we had a really good game plan to kind of zero in on those guys and then work on elements of the game that um, with our younger players kind of build in the next year. And uh, we were really happy with both those games, um, you know. Their young guys can do a lot of damage, and we're able to kind of control them to some degree um, and kind of minimize what they're able to do. And we're able to, con- to control the game for, you know, three and a half, four quarters and uh, has some just a really enjoyable moment. So, um, and then, you know, our game with Stanford was great. We put four goals in the first half and, you know, did some really good things, and nature kind of took over, and they pulled away, obviously, um, with the matchup of us for Stanford. But... A lot of really great things we took away from from that game. Um, some really, some we were, we had some set plays we worked on, some goal after plays, and uh, found some success with those things. And our young guys got some really good um, elements of uh, confidence throughout the game. So, you know, our freshman Andrew Galt was able to, you know, he had an outside goal from about seven seven and a half meters, um, which gave him tons of confidence. And our sophomores played great. So. How many of your guys that you know of have never been to a place like Stanford before? Uh, I think our guys who played, who had experience with Viper Pigeons and Thunder had been to Stanford, but they played in the, in the big pools off to the side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nobody had played in a, in a stadium to my understand, to my knowledge. And uh, they, I mean, they were, they were excited. Most of the guys have been there to at least watch sure. the game. So they, they weren't very shocked, but um it was exciting to be able to play all three games in their stadium and play Stanford at Stanford, you know, with their fans there. And especially right now coming out of the pandemic where, you know, fans are excited to be back in the stands and watch things in person. So the atmosphere, even for our game with Stanford, the atmosphere was amazing. So that's awesome. And for you too, I mean, you know, you, again, you've been around a while, like it's not like yeah. you don't know the Stanford pool deck, but you know, this is one of those rare occasions when you get to coach your team against the, uh, against the Cardinal. Yeah, that was an amazing experience. You know, I grew up about 15 minutes away from Stanford's campus and, uh, grew up as a fan and I've been to that pool hundreds of times, yep. you know, either as a, as, as a coach, I got to play in the stadium pool when I was in college 
And but that was the, my that was my first game coaching in their stadium pool. Yeah, you know, staying on deck for four quarters, and um, it's just a really great uh, experience overall for the program. So, yeah, well, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, and just very quickly, you took a Penn State Baron two games that you be uh, you were yep. almost twenty goals, nineteen goals in one of them. So pretty convincing i'm curious from a cultural perspective because you can we can now look back four years ago when it was a struggle to play against penn state baron and and you just mentioned that they're a little bit maybe they're they're a little weaker than they've normally been but still just from a cultural perspective it has to be something that you um that you're glad that you've leapt over yeah absolutely and you know what they they do a good job um on their end too and they have some really great players uh, who just happen to be to be really young right now. So I think, you know, as we move, move into the future and our young guys get experience and their young guys do, it's going to be a really great rivalry. And, um, you know, but for our guys, it's, it's really great. You know, that's that's the team that we circle on our schedule, whether we play them twice a year or four or five times. And this year we played them four times and we went 4-0 against them. And then to us, that's really important. Um, you know, you and I talked about this on the record and off the record throughout the years. You know, when you're a 17-year-old freshman playing against 20, 21, 22-year-old seniors and juniors, it's, it doesn't matter a lot of times, especially with Division three or Division two, like what your background is. Like, you're still a, a young man playing against adults, you know, and that's what we encountered the first couple of years. And they encountered that a little bit with us this year, you know. Um, and we finally are in a position as a program where we have – we have a blend of young men and adults on our roster, you know, and it really showed seeing some of our guys from when they were freshmen now being, you know, four years older, three inches taller, 20 pounds of muscle heavier. Like it's just, it's mind blowing the transformation our guys have made. Um, and it, you know, it shows on, on the scoreboard, you know, this year. So. And from an experience standpoint, that just cannot be replicated any other way. You have to play these other teams, right? Um, you got a bunch of seniors leaving. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you're feeling about that, because again, that's your first recruiting class, really. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's um, it's bittersweet. Like it's a little heartbreaking to see them go. Um, you know, but at the same time, we're really excited for what's coming next, based on the foundation that they created. And uh, it was a really kind of emotional, heartwarming. Like, not all of our seniors were able to make the travel roster, which is a little heartbreaking. Um, but I tried really hard to detach emotion from making our travel roster. And, uh, and that's the hardest part about our position here. Um, but, you know, travel rosters are great to build competitive cultures. Um, but to lose that class, I'm really happy for them and excited for them for what they were able to do. You know, they walked on campus and there was nothing here except for some stranger's vision. And they, uh, they embraced that and they built, built off that and exceeded what everyone's expectations were as a program. And uh, I'm really proud of them and what they've done. I'm going to miss them, but I'm excited to move forward without them because, and same thing with the women, um, because they've created a foundation here that's going to embody success in a near and distant future. They're going to come back 10 years from now as alumni and see their fingerprints all over the program still. And that's something to be excited for. And, you know, we have some good offhand conversations with those guys about what comes next as like alumni and how I get to see them in the stands next year, hopefully uh, cheering and being obnoxious and, you know, hopefully sober and uh, all the good things. So hopefully be, be, be like all the other fan bases that we get to see at championships every year. So, 
Um, let's let, actually, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that as far as you have now had a program for five years, although I, you know, for four really in a varsity stand, a status. Yeah. What has your observation been of how the program is considered amongst the student body at Austin College? And what I mean is, you know, other schools, they have these connections with certain teams and you yeah. can be fairly called, at, if not the best, one of the best sports programs at the school. Have you established a relationship with your student body in this four, last four years? Yeah, I think we have. And I think we'll see evidence of that when we play in the springtime. We're going to host Brown on the women's side. And that's, I think, going to be a much more competitive game than outsiders are going to realize. And, um, you know, in our campus is really excited for that. And, you know, here, I showed up on campus and our women's basketball team was just phenomenal. And then the culture of our cross country team and their and, and their female athletes and their commitment, how they trained and took care of their bodies was really impressive. So we looked at those two programs as who we wanted to kind of emulate and catch up to. And, um, you know, maybe right now we're the most successful on, on campus with our women's team, but um, there's a lot to do to catch up to women's basketball and volleyball um, and what they've done historically here. But um, yeah, I think, I think on campus we're very, we're, we're very recognizable. We might be the most recognizable athletes on campus and um, very well respected and supported. And, you know, everyone from professors to other athletes, you know, congratulate us when we return home. And, you know, we had our school president see us off, you know, for MPSS. And just it's a really great environment that we exist in, you know, here at school, you know. Does uh, you're unique in that if if there are other programs at your school that play teams like Brown, like Stanford, um, I'm not aware of it. I'm not saying that they don't, but yours most definitely does and does multiple times. Yep. It's like not unusual at all for you to be playing these teams that are recognizable nationally. Does that change the way that you're, again, perceived on campus? Like your stature must be a little bit different that way. Yeah, it is. And it's really cool. Like, you know, we won't talk about the program, but, you know, I had coaches come up to me this year and we sat down and had conversations about – how we approach a game like Stanford or, you know, Johns Hopkins, who's, you know, traditionally top five in D3s and what our mindset is and, you know, why we have such a hard schedule outside of conference or outside of our D3, um, you know, world. And we, you know, now starting to feel those questions and, and share what my philosophies are and strategies are that for programming and in, in individual development um, has really kind of shown how much we've grown on campus here. And, you know as well as I do. Unfortunately, sometimes Olympic sports get forgotten about on campuses, whether they're big or small. Um, but and what's exciting about here at Austin College is that, like, you know, we're at the we're at the foresight of what's going on, um, along with some other programs, and we know we're treated as equals and peers, and which is really really awesome. So, you've mentioned in the past when you do go play MPSF that these other teams are really I don't know how to describe it except to say that they're. They're sort of excited to have you there. I mean, there, I, yeah. you could you could see how that might be kind of cynical. You know, that might be my view, um, not entirely, but that there's a genuine interest in growing the sport as well, and they understand that uh, yeah. you know that you are helping them and they are helping you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's not. I think from an outsider's perspective, people like look kind of down upon us and PSB as like the schools that gave the MPS out their AQ, and we kind of have a negative rap for that um but for us it had nothing to do with our decision but now that we're a part of the mpsf um 
you know, those schools really do have our best interests and they are excited to play us. And um, throughout the year, and it's not just our championships, but throughout the years, we have constant conversations and, um, you know, they treat us as if we're their peers, which is all we could really ask for and hope for. And they do it with a great level of respect. And, you know, the one thing I've shared with other people that really meant a lot to me was, you know, I won't say, I guess, the school or the coach who said it specifically, but they all felt this way. Um, when the pandemic hit and we had our, our, our coaches meetings within conference, you know, we had one coach specifically, but all four of those programs were more concerned about what they could do to make sure that us and Penn State Barron got through the pandemic versus what their own programs needed. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's easier, it's, it's easy to say that people would have that opinion, um, but whether they act on it or not, you know, is always a different thing. But these, these four programs that we're a part of, they, the conference with, they really do have our best interests and want to help grow the sport. And, you know, we have a great relationship with them behind kind of closed doors, I guess. And uh, it's a really great, great uh, experience to be a part of. All right. Well, good. Now you've you've uh, you've you've <laughs> said nice things about them, but now I'm curious about NCAA championships. So yeah. here we go. So uh, Division yeah. three championships are this everything's this weekend. So I'm I'll bet you're going to be glued to the to the TV screen or to the computer screen a bit. Uh, Pomona Pitzer plays MIT. Johns Hopkins plays Claremont Mud Scripps. Come on, tell us who's going to win that tournament. Yeah. Um... Man, I don't want to lose friends here, you know. So, no, I. Uh, I They're not that big have, of friends. Come on. I have a soft spot in my heart always for MIT as yes. a program I, you know, was formerly the head coach of. Um, MIT and Johns Hopkins this year, they're both significantly better than their overall record will show to a stranger that just might look at their schedule on a website. MIT had um, a tough schedule. Yeah. Yeah. They're both very, very strong this year. And um, they both, you know, either have a combination of young rosters and smaller rosters coming out of the pandemic. And obviously everyone's hit by that, but, you know, they had some struggles. Um, but they're both very talented. And, you know, I think they're a little bit, if, if the best versions of those rosters show up, you know, I think it could be an awesome, awesome weekend. You know, I, I, I think the easy answer is that it'll be a Pomona Pitzer for CMS championships. But um, I think Hopkins or MIT can definitely pull up the win as, 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 as long as the best version of what their roster is shows up, you know. So um, I don't know how to put that. Good that answer. Sound really mean <laughs> or whatever. But I personally am hoping to see one of those two in the finals. Uh, I, I mean, I'm friends with all four coaching staffs, but it would be really great for the sport to see Hopkins or or MIT in the finals. So. You have connections with those East Coast teams, no question about that. All right. Um, yeah. On the uh, and and then NCAA's the um, were you surprised? I don't know if you've been following this. Fordham Princeton. Princeton beat Fordham in that opening yeah. round opening round game pretty convincingly. Was that a surprise? Um. Yeah, I, I I think if both rosters were completely intact, I would have been surprised by that score. Not necessarily with Princeton winning. Uh, they're both great rosters great teams, great coaches. And, uh, you know, Princeton's another program I kind of cheer around from the, from, from a distance just because my former coach is on that staff. And uh, I think very highly of them. And, but, uh, you know, uh, it looks like Fordham didn't have their starting goalie, uh, uh, Bailey, who's just awesome. And, you know, if he was unavailable, that's a game changer. But, um, 
you know, they're both great teams, and they're both going to be – either one would have been a great representation of East Coast Warpo, right. you know, so. Um, let's move ahead just because we're running out of time here. The uh, USC is top-seeded, um, yeah. but, I mean, you were there. MPSF seems – Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a toss-up, but I see UCLA playing Princeton opening round. I UCLA seems queued up to win again. Yeah. I don't know if you have an yeah. opinion about that. That again, you want to ruffle feathers within your conference, but, uh, but w- what's your assessment of the teams? And, and by the way, not th- th- to give you an opportunity to not ruffle feathers. So directly Long Beach state yeah. looks very good. And I'm curious about whether you think that they can be competitive in that final four as well. I'm sorry. Who's the oh, oh, Long, Long Beach state. state. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think Long Beach state looks really good. I think, you know, when you, you you hand UOP a loss in the championship by a handful of goals like that. That's I mean that's extremely impressive because both those programs are so impressive. Um, you know I, I think Long Beach State's definitely good enough to cause some problems. Um, you know we were at MPSF and Cal was the number one seed in the regular season champions and we saw them get fourth place and it's just kind of crazy where how good those four schools are and how close they are to each other. Um, I don't think UCLA. Being at home essentially is going to be much of a benefit. I think those programs are so comfortable playing at, at, at each other's pools. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think between those three, it's a toss up, and I wouldn't be shocked if Long Beach, you know, was able to do what UOP did and make it to the championship game. So, well, that would be fun uh, to see for me. Terrible. Yeah, that's a terrible answer. I'm sorry, but yeah, you're fired. You're out of here. I'm never going to interview you again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark Lawrence, you got to rush off to a lunch and you're, you know, again, you're uh, hot to trot at there on campus. I very much appreciate your time and hope to talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, James. Thanks, appreciate Mark. it. All right, Joe. That's it. Thanks so much. Yeah, take care, James. See and you on Sunday. We'll do and and yeah, we'll yeah, I will see you on Sunday. We'll do this again next week. So. We'll do it again next week. All right. Thanks to all of you for listening, telling a friend about the TX Water Polo Podcast and the Total Water Polo Podcast. If you want to support us, go to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give. And thank you to everyone who's done so so far. We had yet another new donor this last week. I very much appreciate that. And with that, until next week, so long from Austin. Yeah, take care.
This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.